Well, we've been going through the book of Mark, and uh, we've made it to chapter 7, which means that there's like nine more chapters. Um, but I think we're going to be taking a break here after chapter 7 for a bit during the summer. We'll be doing something else, and then we'll probably come back to this in the fall. We'll see how it goes, because I know people travel in the summertime, and I, I don't want you to miss stuff um, in the book of Mark, and we're about to enter into uh, a very interesting part of this book. Uh, I think it's all interesting, but the uh, Mark chapter 8 through 10 is what the Bible nerds call the way section, and uh, it's, it's cool, and the disciples kind of become anti-disciples, they're kind of bozos which I really um, resonate with because I'm kind of a bozo on this bus myself. So, But it's very interesting, so we'll probably save that for the fall so that uh, if you have travel plans, you won't be missing things. Um, last week, we, we did what? We did a ghost story here at church with uh, Jesus walking on the water and the disciples being goofy as usual. Today, though, I have a question that I want to begin with, and the question is this. Do you think there's anything wrong with America? You know, one of the things they teach you in homiletics class, which is preaching, just a really fancy word for preaching class, is to grab your audience's attention at the beginning. Experts wonder or speculate you have anywhere between 30 seconds to a minute to five minutes, depending on the audience, to grab their attention. So when I say, do you think there's anything wrong with America, have I grabbed your attention? Huh? What? Okay, some of you. If you ask that of any group of Americans, I, I think no matter what their background is, no matter what their race, no matter what their uh, political affiliation is, no matter their religious uh, background, I think most Americans today would say, yeah, something's wrong. It's not the way it's supposed to be, or it's not the way it was in the good old days. Some nostalgia might kick in for some, the younger people who aren't prone to nostalgia, but have heard their parents complaining enough about it, they'll probably think, yeah, something's wrong. So mom and dad say so. And I think most Americans say, yeah, something is wrong with our country. And if you are ever in churches for any amount of time in our country, there is one thing you hear repeated from many different churches, from many different pulpits, from many different uh, church and uh, Christian radio and TV shows. And that is we need to go back to being a nation under God. And you might hear uh, there's this kind of litany that's rehearsed, this popular litany in the church that's rehearsed of, you know, when the America started going wrong, it was when they took prayer out of the schools. You know, when America started going wrong, it was when they banned the Ten Commandment monuments at certain places in our country. When America started going wrong, it was when, and, and you hear this litany of answers, when they, they banned this, they did that, they allowed this, and on and on and on it goes. And I'm prone to think that there's some truth to that. I'm prone to think that. But, 
You just knew there was going to be a but, right? The idea of getting us back to a nation under God, there's some interesting dilemmas with that. There's some interesting problems. There's some interesting challenges, to say the least. And sometimes I wonder, is that what we want? Or is that what God wants? Is that what we want? Because we know that I made it through the good old days. Grandpa and grandma made it through the good old days. So if we went back to the good old days, I'm pretty sure I'm going to make it. But the days that are looming ahead, I'm not sure if we're going to make it through those days. If you spent any time at your grandparents' knee, did they know they were going to make it through those good old days? Great Depression. Got that out of me. Sorry, that was a charismatic moment. Um, Prom last night. (laughs) Prom last night. Some of you guys really enjoyed that, and others are like, what? Prom last night, the theme was the Roaring Twenties. And I don't think there's ever been a prom that picked for their theme the Depressed Thirties. I think that'd be a great prom thing. Because kids, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> right? I mean, just ask any 47-year-old that wants to stick his 47-year-old brain in his 17-year-old body. The depressed 30s. That'd be a fun prom, right? People in rags and but those were the good old days. And I bet you the grandparents who saw the Roaring Twenties either in their teens or as a child, they entered into the 30s and they thought, I don't like what the future holds. I don't know if we're going to make it. What's wrong with this country? Then the 40s happened. World War II. I would imagine a lot of people thought, are we going to make it? The 50s come along and, I mean, life just takes off and gets great then. Elvis Presley can't even shake his hips on the Ed Sullivan show. Can't even show a married couple in the same bed uh, on television sitcoms. But if you were of a different race, you might have thought the 50s weren't such a good decade. Martin Luther King Jr., Civil Rights Movement, My guess is that the good old days look far better in the rearview mirror than out the windshield. There might be a generation that comes up and says, boy, remember the 20 teens? Those were the good old days. And here we are. We are in our car and we're looking out the windshield and it is looking scary. But someday we might look in that rearview mirror and go, oh man, that was the good old days. You see, the problem with the good old days is they're always relative. They're always relative to where you're currently at. What's wrong with America? How do we get back? Do we want to go back? 
See, a lot of people say that the way to get things right, the way to get God back on our side, the way to get God to bless our land, our people, our leaders, our economy, whatever you want to call it, the way to get God back on our side is to get everybody following God's rules again. That's the way to get everybody back on track is we need the morality of the scriptures. We need the, the, the traditional, you'll hear these kind of words floating around Christian circles all the time, traditional values, family values. We need all these things and we got to get these all back in place and we need to create laws and we need to have legislation and we need to have funding and we need to get programs and we need to get churches and we need to get pastors. We need to get all this stuff going in that direction so that God will bless us. At least that's what I hear on Christian radio and TV and from pulpits. You're thinking... Does this have anything to do with the book of Mark? Mark chapter 7. We are going to eavesdrop on a discussion, an argument, as the Australians say, a contravesty. They say the word controversy really weird down there, along with some others. Uh, controversy. We are going to sit in and hear a controversy between Jesus and the religious people of his day and age, the Pharisees and the scribes. You've been at this church for any amount of time, you know that when you hear the word Pharisees, you're supposed to go, dun, 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 dun. hey, that's stuck. Right? Dun, 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 dun. We're going to start actually in chapter 6, verse 56, because I think the transition here is kind of weird. It's kind of strange. But the way that I'm connecting this is with Mark's use of this word marketplace. Because I think that's linking these two pericopes, these two stories that Mark tells. It says this, And whenever he went, Jesus, went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. You think you'd go see that guy? Oh, man. Sometimes I wake up, and I didn't do anything the day before, and I don't feel so good. What's up with that? That's why I want to put my 47-year-old brain in my 17-year-old body, because that didn't happen back then. I could do stuff the day before, wake up, and do it all over again the next day. And this was before they had doctors and hospitals, nurses, hip replacements, knee replacements, heart valve replacements, liver transplants. This is before they had morphine, (laughs) drugs, pain relievers, Tylenol. Could you imagine the crowd, this guy, would draw. Not only do you get free lunch, you touch his clothes and the pain goes away. The foot works. The eyes are healed. You can hear again. Your tongue is loosed. Not only does he give you free lunch, he fixes what's wrong with your body that nobody else can fix. The Pharisees, 
There we go. And some of the teachers of the law who had come from, where are they from? Jerusalem. That's important to notice because we've met these dudes before. We met them earlier in the Beelzebub controversy. When Jesus cast out a demon and they said, it's by the power of Beelzebub. It's by the power of the chief demon that Jesus is doing this. And Jesus says, "Uh, you guys are out to lunch says they can't be divided against himself but the leaders the chief leaders in the jewish religion and the jewish religious system have pronounced this can't be yahweh this can't be god this can't be the lord at work this has got to be the work of satan (laughs) they've already made a ruling and after they made that ruling jesus started to teach in parables jesus started to do parabolic acts jesus started to do things that were not super clear And these guys are back at it because they heard about the free lunch. They heard about the touching his garment and you're healed. They would come back to check it out. It didn't go away with their pronouncement. Have you ever felt that? Moms, you ever felt that with your kid? Stay out of the cookie jar. I mean, the pronouncement doesn't quite get her done sometimes. In some kids, it works. Compliant firstborns, absolutely, mom. Stay out of the cookie jar, no problem. But little brothers, entitled little brothers, some of you are that little brother. Sorry, I was, you know, I'm scarred for life from my parenting's parent, my parents' parenting. Dave, he's going to be a testimony child. We already know it. He learns the hard way. <laughs> These Pharisees seem to need to learn the hard way. They gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled. (laughs) That is unwashed. Okay, what does this have to do with America and how we're heading? And Mark, hang on. Hold those in tension. We'll get there. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they have their unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. By the way, that's mean. If you haven't thought that Jesus was mean, you haven't read the Bible well. This is not how to win friends and influence people 101. This is not the best way to win a friend by, you know what? You know what's wrong with you? The news was right when they said this about y'all liberals, so you know, or the, the news was right when he said this about you Republicans, okay? I mean, that's where he's, the news is right when he, they talked about you hypocrites. <coughs> Isaiah was right. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. You know, it's interesting. 
it's easy to come to this text, and I've come to this text in the past, and before I had this grander view of what Mark is doing in his book, I used to come to this and go, so therefore, all you people who have church traditions, stop it. Quit being traditional. Like That's what Jesus is like, this rebel. He wants new, and he wants cool, and he wants hip, and that's what he's about, and The trouble is that you can't live the human life without tradition. For instance, we have a tradition here at this church. We meet around 9.30-ish on Sunday mornings, right? We get going about 9.30, 9.35, just depending on when the spirit moves or I remember. (laughs) What if we decide we're going to get rid of that tradition because traditions aren't good, and so we'll meet at some, na- some Sundays for you early riders. Maybe we'll be here at 6 in the morning. And some of you who are like, dude, there is, there's two sixes in the day? <laughs> we'll meet at 6 at night for you. Now, we're not going to do that on the same Sunday because that's expecting way too much. So you just need to check the website or you need to just word of mouth. We just need to show up at both times and see when it's there. You need to phone a friend. Maybe we'll send a text message out. We need traditions to make life work. I have a tradition. It's called waking up in the morning and making coffee so that I feel alive, right? Because otherwise I don't feel alive. I just am awake. We have all sorts of traditions in our lives. You cannot live in this world without tradition. So is Jesus all upset about tradition? Is that really what this is about? What's this conversation about? It's about hypocrisy. It's about people whose hearts are far from God. It's about the traditions of men. You heard it from the scribes. They said, why don't you teach your disciples to follow the traditions of the elders, the teaching of the elders? And I want to help you understand that I think this is a political discussion. This is an ongoing discussion, not only between Jesus and the Pharisees, but between the ancient Israelites and themselves. They had these different sects. They had these different political parties, for lack of a better way of thinking about it. And they had these arguments as to what was the best course for the future for Israel. And there was a group of them, Pharisees especially, who thought the reason the Romans are in charge of us, the reason there's a Herod who's over us, the reason John the Baptist lost his head because there's a Herod is because we have sinned. They had Bible verses to go and support it. And the way that we get God's blessing, the way that we get God on our side, the way that we go into a better, happier, more wonderful future like the good old days, like when David was on the throne, we need to be more obedient to God. We need to be better about the rituals. We need to be better about the obedience. We need to be better about following God's law. Their word for this was the Torah. We need to be better about knowing what Leviticus is about. Don't you want to go to that church? (laughs) No? I kind of like the book of Leviticus, but I 
don't think I'd spend a spring preaching on it. We need to understand the laws of God because then he'll bless us. This is why I start with the question, do you see the connection? Because there are those who say the answer to make America great again is to make us follow God's law better, to be more moral, to get people back in church on Sundays, to get prayer back in the schools, to have commandments on the walls of our courts, have monuments in the lawns of the courthouses in our country. This is a political conversation that Jesus is having here. Part of the reason I know that is because later in chapter 7 at the end, he says, be on guard for the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. And we haven't talked about Herod for a long time by the time we get there. We talked about Herod last when he was cutting off John's head. And those are bookends that Mark is giving us to help us see that all this stuff inside of here, all these other stories I'm telling you, have to do with the political climate of Israel, have to do with who is Jesus. Because Mark's answer for who is Jesus is he is the Messiah. He is God in the flesh who has shown up as king. That's his answer to that question. And the question is being presented to the disciples. The question is being presented to the religious leaders from Jerusalem. The question is being presented to the crowds. Who is this? And it's a political discussion because as soon as you claim to be king, and there's others who claim to be king, it's on like Donkey Kong. Right? There's going to be a problem. Because you can't have two. Let's keep reading and see what goes on here. Jesus is pretty upset with these guys. He calls them hypocrites. He says their hearts are far from God. Now let's continue reading and see why is he saying this? What is going on? And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. That is probably the heart of this controversy. For Moses said, moms, listen up. This is why you came to church today. Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. Why does he bring that up? Listen. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is devoted to God, then you are no longer let then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Huh? Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. Okay. I'm not a first century Jew. You're not a first century Jew. What just happened? Well, what just happened is Jesus just did this really cool ninja move. 
See, part of the discussion is how do we get to stay in the land? How do we get blessed by God? How do we make sure that we are a nation under Yahweh and he blesses us and he kicks the Romans out and we get the right king in place and things go well the way we want it to? I know when in the Bible says no work on the Sabbath, we got to define what work means. Because work could be a lot of things. And so they came up with rules. How many steps you could take on a Sabbath. Whether you could start a fire or not, which they couldn't. Even Orthodox Jews today, they go to sleep Saturday or excuse me, Friday night with the lights on that they want on, on the Sabbath. Because they don't flip a light switch on the Sabbath because they see that as They defined what you could and could not do. You see, the purity laws are all about what you can and cannot do, who you can be with and who you can't be with, what you can touch and what you can't touch, where you can go and where you can't go. And the Pharisees are all busy trying to figure out what are God's expectations of purity? What are the rules? Who can marry who? Who can use what bathroom? Who can go where? Who can do what, with whom, and when? And their interpretation of the Torah is all about these rules because the Torah was written at a time that didn't expect, that didn't, it wasn't written for them in this situation. It was written for their ancestors when there were no Romans oppressing them. You ever read part of the Bible and you go, Well, that clearly wasn't written for me. Come on, we're at church, be honest. You ever done that? You ever read something? I mean, even the New Testament at times, right? Like Paul, talking about meat sacrificed to idols and whether we should eat it or not. I've never really worried about that one, Paul. Or whether dudes need to have minor surgery in order to follow Jesus. Never worried about that one either, Paul. Whether women have to wear a head covering at church. Never worried about that one, Paul. This is the New Testament. We're not even talking about the quacky, weird Old Testament that most of us just avoid. I'm talking about the New Testament. Have you ever read the Bible and you come away going... Steve tells me to read this. I have no idea why. This thing is crazy. I mean, there's some parts that are good. Love your neighbor as yourself. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I get that. I can understand that. I don't even need a preacher to help me with those parts. You see, the part that is frustrating is even when Jesus was on the earth, they were reading the Old Testament law, which had been written thousands of years earlier to different people in different situations. And they were taking it really seriously because they were trying to figure out, how does this apply to my life? What do we do? How does this apply to Israel? How do we get God on our side? How do we get blessing? How do I make sure things go okay for me? We still do this. And it's a good thing we do this because that means we take this word seriously. We want to honor God and his word and his laws and his commands to us. But what Jesus is doing is he is saying to the Pharisees, 
You value the law and keeping the law more than you value people. That's the ninja move he's pulling here. You value the law and keeping the law and making sure you keep the right religious rituals and making sure you have the right rules in place in your life and in your kid's life and in your nation's life that you don't care about people. Now, what's up with mom and dad in here? You see, what happened is Jesus is pronouncing judgment on Israel. He's already said, you're hypocrites. You'd rather uphold your traditions of man rather than the law of God. And let me help you understand what the law of God is trying to teach you, says Jesus. And for this, I need to quickly give you a worldview update, upgrade. Okay, you ever had to upgrade your computer? Has it ever crashed in that process? We might crash, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be worth it. There is a worldview that is articulated in the scriptures that isn't often articulated in pulpits because it's a little difficult for Americans to see. But it's here. This is how the ancient Jews would have thought. This is not only how they thought, it's how everybody in the ancient world would have thought. And how they would have thought was that this world was God's temple and that you and I are the image of that God in his temple Does that language ring a bell? You are made in God's image. Now, the ancient people had priests, and the priest's job was to take care of the idol that was in the temple of God. Now, when we think about this, we think of a temple, we think of an idol made out of wood or stone or gold or silver in a particular temple made out of wood or gold or something. And the priest goes into the temple, and they're doing stuff in there to make sure that the idol is okay and the God is appeased and everything's going well. And what the scriptures, the Hebrews thought, they thought that the entire earth was God's temple. And that we, being made in God's image, were the image. (laughs) We are the image in that temple. And we were also told, don't make any images. Now, there's a key word there. Don't make any graven images. Because we were also commanded to be fruitful and multiply. And when you're fruitful and multiply, you're making more imagers of God. Do you ever think about that? Everybody you've ever met is an image of God. And they live in his temple. In the Old Testament, in Exodus, the people of Israel were called to be the priests. God set them apart as his royal priesthood and paul actually picks up this and peter picks up this language in the new testament that you are a royal priesthood and the idea is that you are to care for the image of god in his temple are you tracking with me the temple is the earth and the image of god is anybody and everybody you lock eyes with and jesus says that a correct understanding of the Torah, a correct understanding, a correct reading of the scriptures will teach you that it is not about Torah keeping, it is about people keeping. And so he goes to a quick little illustration 
Because apparently there had evolved, and we don't really understand all the background behind this, there had evolved a tradition, a man tradition, right? Where if you didn't want to pay for mom and dad to be up at Hillcrest, out of your hard-earned money, you could basically go to church or to the temple or to a priest or to a Sadducee or Pharisee or whomever, and you could say, hey, all this is korban. It's God's. Mom and dad, don't touch it. It's God's. (laughs) Kind of a weird notion. But they created a tradition that you could keep what you wanted and not take care of your parents. Now, why does Jesus go to this one? If you remember what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, Honor your father and your mother. This is the commandment, the only one with a promise attached to it. And the promise is this. If you honor your mother and your father you will live long in the land. You see, the question that the Pharisees are trying to answer is, how do we get God on our side to keep us in the land for a long time and to make sure it's our land, not the Romans' land, not the Greeks' land, not the Assyrians' land, not other people's lands, the Palestinian land? How do we make sure it's Israel's land? And God already told them it's in the Ten Commandments, the biggies. Take care of your folks. And they're following on that one basic principle. How did they do that? How did they get around it? They created a tradition that they didn't have to take care of mom and dad. And it was religious. They are using the Torah as a way of oppressing people. You ever been to a church that's like that? Uses the Bible as a means of oppressing people, uses the Bible as a means of of judging people, uses the Bible as a means of keeping folks down and under control. Do you see this is why this is such a bigger political discussion? Do you want America to be great? Do you want God to bless America? Which, my goodness, hasn't he? Do you want... America to to go back to do we start by people keeping if we were to continue reading but we'll get into this next week Jesus goes into this list of sins and all these sins destroy people and the Torah was given and the Sabbath was given and honor your mother and your father was given so that you would care for people that you would keep people steve what do we do with target's bathroom policy (laughs) if you're not aware of that praise god that you don't pay attention to that stuff what do we do with same-sex marriage what do we do with all these crazy things that are going on in our culture what do we do here's my short answer i don't know I I don't know. I don't know if we're supposed to write Congress people and try to change laws and get all crazy and picket things and carry signs and put them in our yards and freak out. I don't think that's what it's supposed to look like. I don't know, though. Some of you might be called to be an activist, and that's how you're wired up. God bless you. I'm not. I sit around and think stuff. 
Drives my wife nuts, who's an activist. I do know one thing. We are supposed to care for people. Jesus put it really clear when he said, love your enemies. So for some of you, that's Democrats. For some of you, that's Republicans. For some of you, it's us independents. For some of you, it's homosexuals. For some of you, it's transgender folks. For some of you, it's Presbyterians. For some of you, it's Baptists. For some of you, it's folks from Yuma. From some, for some of you, it's folks from Ray. For some of you, it's who you married. For some of you, it's who you're raising. For some of you, it's who you're related to. It starts there. Imagine a nation where people love their enemies. Well, we'll get walked over. We'll get destroyed. Horrible things will happen. Hmm. Didn't Jesus say something along those lines? They hated me. They hate you too. None of you is greater than the master, he says. If they killed me, they're going to try to take you out too. I would much rather life be comfortable, happy. I'd be well-adjusted. My spouse would be well-adjusted. My kids would be well-adjusted. I'm losing hope of them being well-adjusted. I'm losing more and more hope of me being well-adjusted. I would love for everybody to just get along and have a nice day. I would love, I would love that the government could tax 50% of my income and I could just give it to people and know that they're using it wisely. Heck, I'd love to do what I do for free. Don't take that too literally. Um, I would. I wish I didn't have any bills. I wish I didn't have to pay anything. I wish just stuff showed up magically at my door when I thought about it and I needed it. I was taken care of and stuff happened. That world exists. It's not this world. We're not going to always live here. Thank God. I mean, I don't care how much you love Ray, but we're not always going to live here. Thank God. One day we're going to live in God's temple as his imagers, and there will not be a tornado that threatens our town. One day we will live in God's temple as his imagers and there will not be evil men or women scheming how to destroy and kill and maim and rape and injure and pillage. One day we will live in a temple and God is king. And he provides the light. He is there living with us. One day. You see, if you want America to be great, don't be wanting America to be under God. Be wanting America to be with God. You crave being with God. Commune with God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this interesting passage. And I pray that uh, whatever 
is helpful, whatever would move forward, our understanding of you and your love and your kingdom for us and for this world and for everyone in it, that you would help us remember those things and call them to mind later. Lord, I do pray that each of us would take stock of our own lives, whatever enemies we might have. Help us to wish more. Help us to act for their good, for their blessing. Help us not to worry about, well, what will they think? Do they think I agree with them? Do they think I endorse what they're doing? Do they think I, you know, that's what Jesus was accused of too. Why does your teacher hang out with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes? Lord, if we could only be so blessed as to be misunderstood by the world because of our behaviors. Rather than being so so predictable as a political voting block. Lord, help us to follow Christ, the King, and Him only. And may we be with Him as He is with us. Holy Spirit, make it so. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May you love. May you be about people keeping, not law keeping. Amen. Amen.